0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking about the battle for the two-seed between the Bucks and the Nets, and if it matters. We will also talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation, communication issues, and why the Aaron Rodgers story might die down at least for a week, maybe a little bit more than that, um, in the coming days then lastly, we will preview the week ahead for the Brewers as well as look back at what happened this weekend. Pretty good weekend for the Brew crew. But obviously, we are starting with the Milwaukee Bucks. The NBA season is coming to a close on Sunday. It is, I wouldn't say crazy, but it's it's weird that it feels like the NBA season has I wouldn't say just started. I know 72 games compared to 82 isn't much. But I also feel like we should be like knee-deep in playoff basketball right now as we get close to Memorial Day. Um, but we're not. Um, we are just starting the playoffs. And the playoffs will kick off, I believe the following weekend, so I believe the May 21st, after the play-in games, which I think will be very exciting, um, and we may get Lakers-Warriors in the first round. I mean, the NBA wins again, right? They, get, they could get Lakers-Warriors, the Celtics could be involved, could be Celtics-Wizards, so you get Westbrook versus Tatum and Brown, and I, I think those are all, like, good options, and they're going to make a ton of money on these play, play-in games. I think the ratings are going to be through the roof. So I'm not going to be surprised when these, A, they're going to keep doing it, but B, the ratings are going to be wild. But the one thing that we care about, because we don't care about the playing game, Bucks are in, they've clinched, is whether they're going to get the two seed or not. Now, they are in a fight with Brooklyn. Brooklyn right now is a half game ahead of Milwaukee. And I, I guess the real question comes down to, does it matter? Is it really that important to get the two seed? One side of it can say absolutely, because here's the thing. You get game seven against Brooklyn, which is likely what's going to happen into the second round. You get game seven against Brooklyn at in Milwaukee. You get the first two games in Milwaukee that even though if this series goes seven, the Bucks still have the advantage by hosting the first two games, an arena where Brooklyn lost two games to Milwaukee less than a month ago. Whether that matters or not, I don't know. And really the fan capacity, I understand, is not that big. So I think there are some people who'd make the case, like, does it really matter this year? If it's a normal year where they're full house, I think it's really important. But because there's not as many fans, maybe having game seven not at home doesn't, it it like doesn't matter. Like it's not that big of a deal. And I guess here's the thing. I think where that where that stems and where that comes from is you A have to look at it where game seven, if you are getting a game seven between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, you you get to sleep in your own bed. And I, I don't know how much that matters for players, but I have to think the daily routine at home versus on the road is different and it feels different and you're able to see your wife, you're able to see your girlfriend, you're you're able to see your kids if you have them. Like you have that sort of connection there versus being on the road where maybe you're FaceTiming those people and maybe you're getting a picture sent here and there, but it's not the same. And you're sleeping in a hotel bed, which I know these players get very nice hotel beds probably better beds than i've ever slept in but still it's different it's not your bed and it's not your hometown fans cheering you on even if the the crowd is a murmur and it's not as loud as it could be with a full house now i said i think on the podcast after the first nets bucks game where i said the crowd actually sounded loud at i for the first time really all season um so It could be a scenario, right, where the Bucks actually need that two seed and that two seed matters. And I think the Bucks will fight all the way to the finish line for that two seed. I don't know if the Nets will do the same. Reason why that might, the Nets may just wave the white flag and be okay with it is the health of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, more so Durant than Irving. They wanna keep Kevin Durant healthy heading into the postseason. Now. Kevin Durant has played I believe 2 weeks uh, since his last injury or maybe 3 and all signs look like Kevin Durant is fully healthy and there's no there's nothing to worry about. But the last thing the Nets want is for Durant to blow a tire here in this last week and then completely fuck up the playoffs because the Nets have not been able to stay healthy all season. That's been really the storyline of the Nets. They've played 27 different players this season last checked back in early early May. So the Nets, I think, will maybe wave the white flag here and say, all right, we'll just let Kyrie play. We know Kyrie is durable. Uh, He's not really, but he has been durable recently in his career. But he's had some injury issues. But we think Kyrie's healthy. Maybe we can get James Harden back here. But I don't think they're going to get James Harden back for the playoffs. There hasn't been really, or before the playoffs, there hasn't really been any signs of that. And we're gonna keep Durant on ice just in case. And we'll be if we end up with the three seed, we end up with the three seed. Because I do think there is there is that fear. It's always there with the Nets. It's lingering in the back, back of everybody's mind that Durant, for some reason, cannot stay healthy. And whether this is a kind of a Grant Hill thing. Now, Durant, way better player than Grant Hill, don't get me wrong. But is this like a Grant Hill thing where Remember, Grant Hill for a good stage of his career just could never stay on the basketball floor. And that is kind of where I feel like we are with Durant, where every every week we're kind of waiting for him to get hurt. I know that sounds macabre and that sounds like I'm being a bad fan, I'm not. I'm just being realistic, right? Like that just continues to happen to him. And if it continues, how is that not, how do you not worry about that in the last week of the year? That would keep me up at night if I was A, part of the training staff, B, on the coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nets do. I think they're off until Tuesday. and We'll talk schedule to schedule uh, here in a minute. But that to me is a is maybe a reason why the Nets might wave the white flag and be fine with the three seed. The other part of this, why the two seed matters, and I think the two seed is important, is you avoid Miami in the first round. Look, I have said all year and I've stood on this island that the Miami Heat are not the same team they were last year. And I, I do believe that. And also, Drew Holiday is on this roster, not Eric Bledsoe. This is not the same Bucks team that lost the Heat last year. Jay Crowder also not on that Heat team. He was a huge factor in that series. So I kind of do not agree with those who are scared of Miami. There are some Bucks fans that want to play Miami, and they want to play Brooklyn, and they want to play Philly, and they want to go through everybody and really prove that the Bucks are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Which I said last week, I still believe that. And I'd have no problem if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Ric Flair told us that, right? So I have no problem going up against Miami. Will I be scared? Yeah, definitely. I would probably prefer to be the 2 C because you're either getting in the 7 spot, Boston, who looks lifeless, looks like they just want to go home. It's kind of similar to the Philadelphia 76ers last year. Remember how the Sixers in the bubble just were like, fuck this. Like, we hate Brett Brown. We just want to be done with the season. We want to get, you know, out. We, We don't like this bubble. We just want to, they really couldn't go to a beach. They just wanted to leave. Now that's kind of how I feel with the Celtics. Like the Celtics got worked by the Heat last night, and I think the Celtics just want to go home, and they still got to play the playoffs, and but it's looking more and more like they're going to be a seven seed. And if they're not a the seven seed, then it's either Charlotte, who I know gave the Bucks, you know, a challenge. And they do have LaMelo Ball back, but they don't have Gordon Hayward. And the Bucks did play Charlotte without... I think... No, they didn't play them with LaMelo. They they blew out the Charlotte team without LaMelo or Hayward. And then it was almost a horrible loss on the road earlier in April. Uh, but they, they have not played lamello Sands, uh gordon hayward yet um but that team just lost to a new orleans team who has nobody they don't have zion they don't have brandon ingram and they lost at home to that team like that was a pathetic loss yesterday by charlotte and then you have that wizards team who yeah the wizards are the hottest team in basketball they could potentially slide into that seven spot but the bucks have already beat that wizards team it would be a absolute knockout drag out shootout and the, the over-under would be set at 240 every game. But the Bucks have a good advantage against that Wizards team. They they know how to play that Wizards team. I think they have the coaching advantage. I know there's a lot of Bud haters, but I think he's a better coach than Scott Brooks. I think ideally, it would probably be Washington, Charlotte, Miami. If Well, Washington, Charlotte, Boston, Miami would probably be the order. Um, because yeah, I mean, look, and, I, and Boston could find it again. I just feel it really feels similar to that 76ers team last year. that just got swept by the Celtics because they just didn't want to be there. And I don't think the Celtics want to be there and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. But that to me is the reason why the two seed matters because those are the teams you're facing, not the Miami heat, not maybe the Atlanta Hawks. Where are the Hawks on in terms of the heat? I'll look at the standings real quick. I have a, that all pulled up your boy prepared for this podcast Okay, so the Heat and Hawks are actually tied for the five seed. So they have the exact same record, which is very interesting. And there's a lot of smoke about this Hawks team. Zach Lowe thinks they're a sneaky contender. If the Bucks got the Hawks in the first round, I think that would be just fine. I have no problem with that. I think they would be able to beat that Hawks team and it wouldn't be a series that would beat them up. The Heat would obviously beat them up. And that would be the real drawback is, it would be physical, even if the Bucks won in five, even if the Bucks won in six, it'd be a really physical series. And that could lead to kind of a long-term fatigue issue. So yes, that's why I think you go after the two seed. And I think you push to the finish line here. To look at the schedules to finish off the year, the Bucs are in San Antonio tonight. San Antonio trying to hold on to that 10 seed. They are really bad right now. They've been really, they have one of the worst net ratings in the last five games so the Bucks should beat San Antonio. They have an Orlando team the next night where Orlando and at home, where Orlando has packed it in. Orlando does not care. They are on full cruise control. And so that, to me, is a, a very easy win for Milwaukee. Um, because, I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday won 126, I think, to 96 or something like that against orlando so i mean that's where orlando is or like orlando's quit like orlando just wants to get top pick they're fine like they are in full tank then you have indiana indiana who is going to be the 10 seed they vibes are not good there uh, for the pacers uh they've been battling some injuries the bucks have owned the pacers the last few years so i i think Again, that should be an easy win, but Indiana might be motivated. They might try to, you know, get hot here at the very end, and then they have Miami and Chicago over the weekend. And Miami obviously will be fighting. I don't, I don't know what the Bucks would do in that situation. We will obviously we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, Mitch and I will be doing the fr- a Friday tabbing the keg. I'll be interested to know with Mitch if it looks like the Bucks and my Bucks and Heat are playing in the first round. Do you just rest starters and say, all right, we're not going to show you a goddamn thing and we'll let you guys win, but we're not going to give you anything. We're going to like just shed all of our, we're not going to you know give you any tape on us. That'll be an interesting topic if, if it does come around. And then yeah, Chicago by May 16th has quit, but they don't have their first round pick. So they probably want to keep winning. So they're, at least they're going to play all their guys. So even though Chicago is eliminated, they're going to want to push hard here. And maybe they can get into, the, let's see, where's Chicago from the standings? They're three and a half games back of Indiana. So they would need a miracle. They would need a, a epic Pacers collapse for Chicago to find their way into the playoffs. Now for the Nets. It's a similar schedule actually because they're off today as mentioned and then they play Chicago twice. So they play Chicago on May 11th and May the 15th. One at Chicago on on Tuesday and then at home on Saturday. They also play San Antonio on May 12th and then they play Cleveland who has given up. So you look at that schedule, you look at those and Brooklyn does have a pretty easy pathway. They're through this rough patch of their schedule where they just finished uh, one and four, where they lost to Milwaukee, Dallas, Portland. They did beat Denver and Denver almost beat, Denver gave that game away. Really frustrating game if you had Denver plus four, let me tell you. Uh, but so they kind of have an easy road, maybe an easier road than Milwaukee. And the one extra game for the Bucks is obviously Orlando. So these teams could be tied after, or after tonight, they could be tied. And if they're tied, then we'll see what happens. And then Tuesday will be a, a kind of a swing game. But we'll see what we'll see where it goes. We'll see where Brooklyn leans. I don't know. But I would fight for that two seed. I think to avoid Miami, even though I think Miami's not the same team, I don't think anyone should be considering Miami a sleeper. I think you're just trying to zag when there really is just three teams. I still think that you would not want to see Miami in the first round just for that sort of not feeling like you're bumped and bruised heading into round two. Let's move on to Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers has consumed all of the media uh, in the NFL world for the last really week and a half, probably 10 days now, right? Everything has been Aaron Rodgers focus, Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. And it's... It's sort of at, I would say, a little bit of a stalwart. We don't know. There were rumors over the weekend that Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, that there were some Aaron Rodgers sightings around Lambeau Field. Like we're at kind of far watch scenarios where people are trying to find out if Aaron's you know, making some things happen with the Packers at this point. We don't know. No one confirmed if Rodgers was in Green Bay or not. Uh, There was an article by Jason Woolley that came out yesterday Basically highlighting the communication issues, you know, getting quotes from Brett Favre, basically Favre saying how he didn't want to be in the meeting rooms, and then Wilde, as a good journalist, pointing out that like Favre was so mad about the Randy Moss thing, and that was it's a direct contradiction to what Favre was saying, which is really funny. But it, you know, obviously Rogers is frustrated, and and Wilde pointed out three examples. And now, Jason Wilde, for those who aren't familiar, Willie has a pretty good relationship with Aaron Rodgers, where they talk regularly, they're in communication, they used to do Tuesdays with Aaron before Pat McAfee was around, that was who Aaron Rodgers would talk to on a pretty regular basis, and I would say that even though there's supposed to be a journalist-player journalist relationship, and there's supposed to be that separation, I don't think Willie and Rodgers have that. I think there is an actual friendship there. It might not be like a buddy buddy let's let, let's um, I don't know, go have a golf trip together. But would they go golfing together? Yeah, maybe. Like in Green Bay? Sure. So Willie points out three things. He says the Jordan Love thing obviously. Jordy Jordy Nelson getting released and then Jake Kumaro getting released and then Willie pointed to a comment of Rodgers after the trade deadline said, last time I stumped for a player, he ended up at Buffalo. So kind of a, a little bit of a dig at the organization. Aaron Rodgers should not have been treated like a common employee. I think we've went over this, but it just needs to be reinforced. Now, Willie brought up an interesting line of like, I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers communicated this to the organization. I don't know if, it, and that was what kind of the big question was. Has Aaron Rodgers reached out to this organization and said, hey guys, next time you release like one of my guys, like I just want to talk about it. Like I just want to know. I'm not gonna fight back on it. I may make a case about why we should keep him, but I understand that for the team, it might not be the best scenario. But could you please, you know, reach out and let me know? I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I in relationships, whether it's with my fiance, whether it's with my parents, whether with my friends, I always like tell people when something when I'm feel like I'm wronged, right? When I feel like I'm wronged, I let people know and I say, hey, look, next time could we do it this way? Next time could you just let me know on this? Could you just keep me in the loop? I don't need every answer, but I, I just want this one. And there are other people though who they'll hold it in and they'll internalize it. And then when you get to a scenario where it's like this, where it hits a boiling point, you just start hearing everything. And it just pours out of their mouth, mouth like diarrhea. And it's like, well, I was in context about the Jordan Nelson thing. And fuck you. And Jake Kummerow and Jordan Love. Like, I, you didn't let me know about any of this stuff. And, and, you, and you're just pissed off. And you're, and you're kind of like, on the other end, like, where? whoa, 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 where the fuck did this come from? Where was this two months ago? Where was this years ago? Why didn't you let us know that you were upset? We could have worked with you. And so I think that's where we are right now, where we're, we're dealing with a guy who's very sensitive in Aaron Rodgers and whose feelings are hurt, but he might not have let Dream Bay know that his feelings were hurt. And because of that, Green Bay now has to mend that fence and say, all right, Aaron, what do we need to do in the future? We have a contract out to you. We want you to sign it through 2024, but we need to know how can we communicate better with you? And that's the answer that I think we're all looking for. And I think once they get that, once they figure that out, I think Aaron Rodgers will sign and be a Packer. And I want the best supercut of everybody saying Aaron Rodgers won't be a Packer. That to me, and I know Nathan Marzon, who does a lot of great videos, um, he, he will have a supercut. I know he will. I know he will just have the, the ultimate. Here are all the people who said Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming back Rob Domofsky, 5%, uh, Marcus Spears, uh, Stephen A. Smith, fucking Skip Bayless, all these assholes. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back to a Packer. I felt better and better about it. I'm probably drinking a little bit of Murph's Kool-Aid, but I do think it's that communication thing is the last step. And I think once they get clear guidelines on how they want to do it, I think they're going to thrive and I think they're going to succeed. As for the Aaron Rodgers story itself, and I kind of mentioned we are at a stalwart, I think that once the schedule is out, that we are not going to hear much about Aaron Rodgers, at least for a week. And then we'll go back to fucking that chicken. Like we'll go back to that, that sort of story and say, Hey, well, and Amshafter will have some bullshit thing that he throws out there again. But you, I think you'll have a lot of scheduled talk for a week. You'll, and even maybe starting today, like Usually when the schedule is just about to come out, the NFL kind of leaks stuff out. Like who Tampa Bay is going to play opening night? I think it's going to be Dallas. Who the Thanksgiving games are going to be? I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay finds themselves on on Thanksgiving night with Tom Brady. Uh, what sort of we're looking at for the first weekend primetime games? Um, I, if they have any special like Christmas games this year, I think they might because I think Christmas is on the weekend so like all those stuff and we'll we'll try to do our best to guess the Packers schedule like Greg Matzik who does this um and it's his his kind of big thing and he's a fucking robot so I'm not surprised that he kind of likes doing this kind of thing I also enjoy trying to guess the Packers schedule so we're gonna probably do that tomorrow. An interesting topic that I've been sort of holding back that I wanna work in with the schedule. So I'll we'll probably do that all tomorrow and that'll probably be a good chunk of tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that. I know the schedule comes out Wednesday. This then just gives you a couple more day, a couple days to listen. So I'm not just being like, hey, here's the schedule on Wednesday and you only have the afternoon to listen to it. Don't wanna do that to the Tappers. Let's finish up today's show. Talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers had a good weekend. So the Brewers, after losing five straight on the road, six overall, they were able to beat the Miami Marlins twice this weekend. Um, they were able to win six to two on Saturday. The Brewers struck out a bunch of fish. Uh, Adrian Hauser had ten strikeouts. He also had a home run again. Uh, so the Brewers kind of broke out of everything. Uh, Josh Hader. got it done in the ninth. He had his 400th strikeout. Devin Williams looked good. It was all in all a very good win for the Brewers and felt good to kind of get off the schneid. Then they followed it up with a win on Sunday, which really they should have won probably like four to one or five to one, but the Brewers could not drive any runs in. They left a lot of men on base. It ended up going to extras. Tyrone Taylor comes through with the big hit in the 10th inning to give the Brewers the two-one victory, Drew Rasmussen shut down the door. Shut the door. I couldn't believe that. Uh, Drew Rasmussen has not been a guy that I feel good about in high leverage situations, but he got it done for the Brewers in this one, uh, which very impressive. And if Drew Rasmussen can become a high leverage pitcher, and you can work him and JP Fireeyes and as sort of your seven inning go- seventh inning guys, I feel really good about the Brewers rota- Brewers bullpen. Uh, setting setting up for Williams in the eighth, Hader in the ninth. But yes, this is this is what you wanted from the Milwaukee Brewers, and I wasn't making too big of a deal of the six game losing streak. I think I told you guys on the Friday pod, don't panic about this team. There's still a long way to go in the in the MLB season. Uh, hearing Theo Epstein on Friday with Bill Simmons, which. Honestly, one of the best podcasts I've listened to this year. I would recommend it to anybody if you're a baseball fan. It is a must listen. Listen to that after you get done listening to this. And he talked about how with team chemistry, losing streaks are going to happen. You're never going to be perfect throughout the year. You're going to go through these tough stretches where you lose a bunch of games. You Your bullpen's blowing everything. You can't hit. You can't pitch. And it was really kind of poignant for the Brewers at that point because the Brewers had not broke their streak. They lost then on, on Friday night. And it was really a good reminder that, yeah, it's not going to be perfect for the entire year. It's not going to be rainbows and unicorns. It's very rare that an MLB team goes unscathed. The Dodgers are going through it right now. I mean, they're they're winning a little bit more, but they're 18 and 17. They have a worse record than the Brewers. Right now, they're game out of the wild card race, which is where the Brewers are right now, tied with the San Diego Padres. Now, again, way too early to be talking about that. But the only real negative that happened was the St. Louis Cardinals have been hot. They've been playing kind of weaker opponents and they're 21 and 14. And they have the best record in the National League. Now they come to town on Tuesday and that'll be a huge series for the brewers it's a i wouldn't say it's a measuring stick but it's a series for the brewers where they can really sort of make something happen and they really can kind of if they beat the cardinals two out of three then the brewers i think are tied for the for the division and if they lose three there or they lose two out of three then it does seem like maybe the Cardinals have a stranglehold on the NL Central. So even though it's early and it's not necessarily that indicative of the rest of the way, it gives either St. Louis a chance to separate themselves a little bit or it means that Milwaukee is right there with the Cardinals and they can play with anyone. Now they took two out of three from the Cardinals earlier this season, but St. Louis is a different team than they were back then. Uh, St. Like I said, St. Louis has been playing really good baseball over the last pretty week and a half, beating up on the Mets and the Rockies. The Rockies 2-14 on the road. Just an awful road team. So getting them at the right time is, is nice for the Cardinals. But yeah, on, on Tuesday, you'll have Freddy Peralta versus Hunway Kim. Kim's a pretty good pitcher, left-hander. Uh, I think he gave the Brewers some fits the first time they faced. So that's a big spot for Freddy. Freddy was pretty good after that first inning blowup. So hopefully uh, that can he can kind of right that ship. He did not face the Cardinals earlier this season. Then you have Brandon Woodruff versus John Gantt. John Gant has been good, but hasn't really got run support. Brandon Woodruff can relate. So that will be Woody versus Gant on Wednesday. And then Thursday, it is undecided, but Jack Flaherty, who's had a definite bounce back this year. Jack Flaherty did not look like a Cy Young last year, really struggled last year on the road. He's been great so far. He's 6-0, 263 ERA, Uh, Still struggles a little bit on the road, has struggled against the Brewers. The Brewers have been a thorn in the side. And the reason it's undecided for the crew at this point is because I think Corbin Burns would come off the DL. He was battling a COVID COVID positive. So I, and I know that Craig Council has talked about Burns is kind of feeling close to being ready. So I would imagine that that is where Corbin Burns will be slotted and come off the DL on that Thursday. So you will have Peralta, Burns, and and Woodruff all going for the Brewers. The Cardinals really only have their ace in Jack Flaherty. And so that that could really lead to a good series for the Brewers. And then they have the Braves over the weekend. The Braves have been sort of up and down this season. They're really not pitching well. A lot of games are going over. But the Braves have a ton of mashers. So the Brewers are going to have to keep up offensively with the Atlanta Braves. Right now with a run differential of negative 12 uh, five and five in their last 10 they're 500 and they're kind of 500 on the road but they're yeah the pitching staff has not been that good and the Brewers Brewers and, and Braves I would doubt it have shootouts over the weekend but who knows uh, the roof could be open the weather is starting to finally improve this weekend so we'll see if that happens but yeah it's a good six games for the Brewers it's also important you know when they face Atlanta I'm sure the Cardinals series will be tense and that the hangover isn't real for Milwaukee on the weekend because that that is a, there's a real chance that, that could happen and the brewers just kind of waltz their way against Atlanta and not not kind of keep their focus i think it's hard to yeah it's a little different facing a rival or not facing a rival but yeah it would be nice to keep that focus brewers are getting healthier too Omar Navares is starting to run, so maybe his IL stint won't be that long. No word on Christian Yelich; they've been kind of keeping that close to the vest. But I actually, so obviously, I want Christian Yelich back. Don't don't get me wrong here. And, and if I was a actual of importance, I'd be like, don't aggregate this. Uh, I feel like Phil Simmons is so obsessed with aggregators. So that's another story for another time. Um. I do think the Brewers are okay without Yelich at this point because Tyron Taylor is a legit outfielder for in baseball. Like, I don't know if he's a every. I think he is an everyday player. Like, I, I think Tyron Taylor is an everyday outfielder. So, I think right now the Brewers have three everyday outfielders on their four. Right, Lorenzo Cain, Tyron Taylor, Avi Garcia, and Jackie Bradley Jr. So, right now they have four everyday outfielders on that roster, and adding Christian Yelich would only help. So, but Tyrone Taylor is, should not be sent down the rest of the year. Tyrone Taylor deserves to stay, and I think that he is a legitimate player for the, for the Milwaukee Brewers. His defense is a little suspect at times, but other than that, he can play, and he can hit, especially against left-handers, and so I'm, I'm all in on Tyrone Taylor. He's one of my, one of my favorites uh, this season so far. That will do it for the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, we're going to do a lot of scheduled talk. I'm sure we'll talk Bucks, Bucks, Spurs if there's anything worth noting in that one and anything else that comes across the wire on Monday. All right, take care, Tappers. Have yourself a great day. We'll talk tomorrow. Bye.